I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Roy Vanderwater. I'm Jade Meskill. And so uh, last week, we as a team went and did paintball. Woo! And so yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, one of the things we noticed that uh, a lot of the principles that we use kind of day to day really translated pretty well into paintball. And I think we were all surprised by that. But we, as we talked about it more and more at the end How of the day. How nerdy is that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> as we talked about it more and more uh, you know, after lunch, after we did paintball, uh, we were pretty surprised. And um, So I guess... One thing that's kind of funny to keep, you know, give a mental picture to everybody is that the opponents for paintball were a bunch of thirteen-year-olds, <laughs> at so, best. Yeah, at best. So <laughs> think about that. Okay, so <laughs> with pro gear, that's yeah, true. Pro gear, they play every day. Uh, so one of the principles that I think we kind of um, discovered uh, that we did as we went through the the different rounds. The format was basically we played three games with two matches each, or something like that. And uh, so I think we did a pretty good job of inspecting and adapting. Um, and so, I don't know, who, who wants to jump in and uh, comment on that one? So I, I thought one of the things that was pretty cool is that it felt natural. Like, we didn't even realize that we were trying to adopt, inspect, and adapt principles until after, way after we went home after the paintball event, right? Like, it just came natural that, all right, we did this, that didn't work, let's try something else. And we were constantly reflecting and spending the time between matches coming up with what we were going to do better the following match. I think the thing that stuck out to me the most is uh, we didn't really talk at all about the other team. So when when uh, we had success or failure, every time we were looking for improvement, it wasn't anything about, well, you know, they're doing this, we need to do that. It was all, you know, these are the things we need to do and to improve. Um, and I thought that that was kind of interesting is our focus wasn't like, oh, well, they're killing us at this. And so we need to re- respond to that. It was like these are the little itty-bitty incremental things that we need to do to improve what how we're doing things. Yeah, which was interesting because when we first started, you know, this is the first time that almost all of us had ever played paintball. Um, and, you know, we, we did end up playing against a bunch of 13-year-olds, but they really did have pro gear. They came in every day like this is this is what they did. But our focus really wasn't on them at all. We were a little worried we'd get our butts kicked the first time in, but uh, you know we we just didn't sweat it. And I, th- I thought that was really cool when you pointed that out afterwards, Derek. That we just never never even mentioned them. It was all focused on ourselves. Yeah, I, one of the thoughts that I wrote down was that um, I don't think we ultimately. I think the first game we probably tried to beat the other team, and then after that it was just how can we beat ourselves from the last round. And I thought that was that kind of a. a and captures that thing. So, um, one of the other things that we've started to do after um, after we did the paintball, and I think what we found was it was easier to describe in a kind of a paintball. You're talking about being shot at and those things, but was the concept of exposing your vulnerabilities. And so there were area there was times where you'd say, uh, you know, when I go over here, there's a guy that can shoot me from that little window or whatever. And so we talked about that a lot, and we kind of found ways as a team to to solve that problem. Um, you know what were uh, how does that really relate to you know the software side of things well i mean <clears throat> I, th- I think a lot of times we only you know we go into a stand up and we really only talk about um you know what did you do yesterday what did you do today and what are your impediments and i think why all of those things are really relevant um i think the things that are usually the largest risk to a team are the things that the team is actually uh, afraid of or exposing themselves to um, and so I don't think we really talk any about risk during a lot of our 
um, different ceremonies inside of Scrum. And I think that that's something that we need to, um, as teams, as we become more uh, trustworthy with one another and become more vulnerable with each other, that we start to say, you know, these are the things I'm worried about. Or, hey, by doing this, we're leaving ourselves open to that. Um, and, uh, you know, during paintball, one of the things I saw was uh, we were doing some, like, uh, duck and cover type of maneuvers where, you know, hey, you're going to send somebody out and I'll cover you. And, uh, you know, the first time we did that, we did, we're fairly successful, except at one point when we advanced, you know, almost all the way to their base, our guys got, you know, nailed. And when we came back, the adjustment was, well, the problem is when you're covering me, you're covering me from the wrong angle. And, and therefore, you're leaving me exposed. Um, you know, when I get to a certain point, your angle is no longer effective cover for me, and so I'm exposed. Um, could you, you know, adjust and give me a slightly better angle so that I have more cover? And I think we we don't do that enough as teams to say, you know, hey, if I take this risk, I'm going to be exposed. And if you could just shift over and do this thing for me, it would really cover and help me manage the risk that I'm taking to take that risk. And I, I don't think we do that. And I think that's why a lot of teams don't take risk. And to the second part, um, during the last game we had, I thought we were super aggressive, and it had everything to do with trust. Meaning that, you know, it, it by that by the sixth game, I knew that if, you know, Coney Beer said, go ahead and advance, I've got your back, I could pretty much just stand up and run right to the target and stick a gun in their face and not have to worry about getting hit because I knew he had my back. And I, I think when, as teams, you start to provide adequate cover to each other to take risk, I think the amount of risk you can take is monumentally huge compared to the cover your ass perspective of I'm not going to take any risk because you know I, I, I can only take care of myself. But I, I think what's important there too is that when you have somebody covering like that, the ri- the risk becomes less of a risk. Like correct. it becomes that's correct. There are less there's less chance of this going wrong because I know there's somebody that's got my back. Absolutely. Yeah, and so one of the other things I think we did a good job of. Um, from from game to game, we kind of improved on small things. So I think we kind of did some incremental improvement. Um, I think we all had our, our own ideas of what those things were, but I was curious what you guys thought. Uh, what are some things that you thought we did better, you know, incrementally over time? So I think one of the things that we started doing was uh, splitting off into keys of teams. So we start off with six, and we split off into three, and then eventually we decided to actually do pairing, where we would have each person buddy with another person and kind of work from that. Uh, perspective because that gave us more flexibility and and it was really difficult to keep track of three people and it was like we we actually split up into smaller chunks but we realized that every man for himself was not practical or feasible yeah i think the other thing that was interesting is i thought we did um a a fair amount of self-organization and self-direction within um so after the i think it was the first game or the second game and we kind of decided to split up into pairs we kind of did direction where we said, okay, you know, this pair, you guys get the right flank. This pair, you get the left flank. This pair is going to hold and cover, you know, the base or do whatever. But that was as far as the direction went. And then it was really up to each pair to say, this is how we plan on attacking to the right or attacking to the left or holding the position. And the rest of the team didn't even have to know what was going on from that perspective. And that kind of goes back to the trust issue for me, right? If if I say, okay, you know, uh, Clayto and Jade, you guys have the right side. You know, Roy and I are going to take the left side. We're not worried about are you really going to take the right side, right? Like that you'll let us know. You'll scream at us if you really aren't, you know, if you lose your position, you'll let us know that. Until then, we just trust that you're you're doing that and we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I think a good parallel was with the, you know, the other team 
and maybe this was just because they were 13, but <laughs> <laughs> the, the other team, uh, I noticed that they were pretty much every man for themselves. And when something would go wrong, it was always like, uh, oh, man, you know, didn't, why didn't you see that guy? Or why didn't, you know, and it was never, it was always someone else's fault. Uh, but with, with our team, we did a pretty good job, I think, of when someone got out, it was a, okay, now that we're starting this game over, or the, you know, the next game, like, hey, why did you get out? What's going on? What can we do to improve next time? Uh, I thought that was a pretty direct parallel. I think most, you know, most um, teams, you get a bunch of individuals that are all going in their direction, their own direction, and it's kind of a blame game when something goes wrong. Yeah, I think one of the other things I noticed, too, is I think you heard us talk the entire game. Like, yeah. definitely between the pairs, there was definitely a ton of talking, and I don't think I heard the other team do very much verbal talking at all. No, I never heard them. Because I think they thought that that was a strategy to keep them safe, right? right. Was to, to keep quiet and keep right. your head down. And I think we, we, took, we definitely bucked that and just kept in communication the entire time. So, uh, you know, Clayton, you said that we've started to use this uh, this idea that we came up with uh, of exposure. Maybe you can explain to the listener how how we're incorporating that into our stand-up and what you know how it flows in the stand-up and what are some of the results that we've seen from that already. Yeah, so we've started doing something towards the end of the stand-up, basically um, going around and just. You know, if you feel like there's something that's happened recently or you feel like you're going to get into a situation where you're going to be exposed, where you are going to be facing some extra risk or something might go wrong, um, communicating that with the team. And I think earlier this week we've had a situation where someone said, hey, you know, I, I was making good progress and things were going well, but my pair, um, you know, they're sick and they're going to be out now. Um, I'm going to be exposed because I've got some meetings and I was going to rely on them, um, you know, today, but now that they're out, what am I going to do? You know, I think those are things that normally people would kind of ignore that and it might come up the next day. Uh, but that's something that we were able to discuss, you know, before it even became a real problem. Um, and I think that's pretty much the flow has been, if you've got something that you feel exposed on, um, even if it's not anything directly related to the work that you're doing that day, but more of a concept of, Hey, you know, we're going down this road with this, solving this certain problem. Um, it seems like it's going okay, but I'm a little worried. Even that kind of stuff, I think, has been helpful to, to get out and expose to the team. So do you think that it's helping us to kind of uh, preemptively recognize things that could could possibly be impediments, uh, but instead of ever, you know, materializing as impediments, we're catching them sooner because we're, you know, we're getting ourselves in that mental mode of thinking defensively? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It was, um, I think we've treated it like preventative care almost, where you know, normally it would have been acceptable or okay or, you know, part of the process to say, yesterday I had this impediment that slowed me down. Uh, but I think now we're getting out ahead of, ahead of that. And we haven't solved every single problem so far. There's been times when we've said, hey, I'm exposed, and it's been kind of a, the team says, okay, well, there's not much we can do or, you know, whatever the situation is. But um, it's at least been out there and been on people's minds, and we have been able to prevent those things before they become real impediments. Well, I, I think to me the biggest benefit is it really puts people in a state where vulnerability is okay, where it's okay to say I'm worried about this technical challenge or I'm worried that um, you know not, my pair is not going to be fully available and that it's going to be hard for me to focus or to you know achieve the volume of work or you know um, you know I'm I'm worried that X Y Z is going on at home and it's going to impact my ability to participate in ABC or be distracted. And, and I think for teams, it's very difficult to be vulnerable 
And so by kind of putting within a ceremony an ability that allows people to, in a safe way, express what they're feeling exposed to um, can potentially, if not abused, help build trust by encouraging people to be vulnerable in a safe manner. Yeah, I think vulnerability is the key there. Um, when people say trust a lot of times, if you're not really familiar with how that, you know, what that means on a team, a lot of people think that just means, oh, I trust Roy to do his job. Um, but I think vulnerability is really the key aspect of the trust uh, when people talk about it in relation to a team. Well, I think it's been interesting to watch because, you know, a, a, a while back we implemented uh, from core protocols the check-in and talk about some of our feelings and emotions to try to get to some of that vulnerability. And I think uh, we still glossed over a lot of things because, again, we weren't we weren't thinking in that defensive mindset you know, so it's okay. Here's here's maybe some raw emotion. I'm I'm mad because blah blah blah, or I'm sad because of this. But I think it's really helped us kind of you know have a frame of reference to think about you know how am I exposed today, and and what's going to happen today that's going to leave me in a in a potentially vulnerable state and sharing that with the team. I don't. What do you guys think about that? Well, <clears throat> one thing I've always thought was interesting was. Um, you know, we do week-long sprints, and so there'd be times where, towards the end of the week or retrospective, someone would bring up some problem that they had, and then and maybe they were trying to be vulnerable or they were talking about something that was a problem. But then, come next sprint over the weekend, it was kind of like they forgot about it, and the behavior never really changed. And I think what was interesting with the paintball was that it was so quick. You know, I mean, basically there were maybe five minutes between the matches. Sometimes, you know, we took a longer break every now and again for ten minutes, but it was so fresh in everyone's mind that uh, here are the problems, let's talk about them. And then at the beginning of the next one, everybody knew what we needed to do. Uh, we knew all the issues that we had, the vulnerabilities. And so it was easy to come back and immediately go into that. And I think that's been part of the problem with some of the core protocol stuff that we've been doing. Is You're, you're right, I think we've been glossing over that. Um, but it's easy now, especially now that we're, we all have paintball on the mind when we're talking about the exposure stuff. So it's easy to think in those contexts of, okay, I'm going to talk about what I'm vulnerable or how I'm exposed, and uh, I'm going to I'm not going to gloss over anything because I know that I'm going to get some impact from the team or something's going to happen right now. Uh, it's not going to just wait and, uh, you know, I hope someone says something later. So as we, as we wrap up here, what, what would you recommend uh, other teams do who are, who are maybe struggling with uh, building up some of this trust or talking about the, the vulnerabilities and the exposures that they have? What, what would we recommend for them to do? I think I think the core protocols portion of the of the stand up and having people start talking about their feelings is a really good place to start because that's when you get to start because the 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 facts are great and all but as Jade likes to say perception is reality and if people are feeling a certain way and perceiving their own realities in a specific way then it's it's good for the rest of the team to know that so they can understand where that person's coming from. So I'll I'll provide a a counterpoint to that and I'll say um, I absolutely agree that, you know, perceptions can be reality, but I also follow it with feelings aren't facts. And so I would say that um, when I've seen teams do the best when it comes to vulnerability is when they have a shared vision. Mm -hmm. And because of that, basically it allows all the baggage and all the bullshit to be dropped. So when everybody's kind of going a different direction, there's all sorts of grandstanding and lobbying and, you know, there, there's there's always like this undertone of I'm trying to convince you to do my direction and Clato's trying to convince somebody else to do their direction. And there's like all this kind of like silly political bullshit underneath the surface 
where I think then vulnerability is locked out. Where when it comes cut and dry, is is this pushing forward to our vision, yes or no? It becomes a lot easier to say the hard things and have the harder conversations because they're not loaded with all the baggage of the feelings, so to speak. You know, you can say, this is how I feel, get it off the chest, and then have the real conversation instead of play that political kind of back and forth, like, you know, I'm trying to jockey to determine what direction to take things. So I would say the best thing a team can do is is get on the same page with where they're going and then start to talk about their feelings once they've got that set, and I think the rest works itself out over time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think jumping into being, you know, talking about vulnerability and being vulnerable with the teammates is, is pretty difficult. And so I think the team should start with, um, you know, trying to find ways to get more into healthy conflict and not having the um, kind of perceived everything's okay feeling. Um, a lot of, basically a lot of stuff that's in. Um, a lot of the stuff that's in the <laughs> five dysfunction. Uh, sorry, I, I got to take a call. The five dysfunctions of a team. Uh, and the chapter on they talk about trust. There's kind of a you know list of things that teams that don't have trust. These are the you know bad habits that they have. And here's a ways you could figure out if your team does have trust. They should exhibit these traits. And so I think kind of driving towards some of those is a good step in that direction. Well, thanks for listening to the Scrumcast. Hopefully, you'll catch us next time as we continue to expose ourselves. <laughs>